0: Welcome back to the final hour of Wednesday's tip today. I had to laugh at Barry's text when I uh, got the result in on my drug test. Uh, Barry said, good job you don't smoke weed, Ali. <laughs> it's a good job, Barry. Thanks for that. Uh, keep those texts coming into us. 083 311 or eighteen hundred nine three eight double o seven. 938 uh, Barry also texted, we were talking about, uh, to Anthony from Paranormal Ireland, who was talking about the recent investigation they did at uh, Redwood Castle in Nina or sorry, in Lura, and he determined that it is indeed haunted. Um, Barry said, never seen a ghost or heard unexplained noises in a house. Uh, Did hear unexplained noises in a house, sorry, once. Uh, And I've also seen a real UFO. That's from Barry. Uh, Tell me about your... He was talking about disembodied voices, which was very strange and people telling him to get out. So I'd love to hear if you've had any experiences like that, let us know on the show. Uh, The only thing I've ever really had that kind of spooked me at home was... I remember being at home one night and it was just me and the youngest fella because everyone else had gone away for the night and I'd put him to bed and thought I'd have a nice relaxing evening. About 20 minutes later, he called me up anyway, so I went up to see what was wrong with him and he just said, uh, ma'am, a man just walked past my door. I think we should leave now. And that was it. And then turned over to go to sleep and I didn't sleep a wink for the night. He scared the life out of me. I didn't see anything. I don't know if he saw anything, he might have been dreaming, but it Freaked the life out of me. So, we'd love to hear your experiences. Let us know on tip today this morning. Now, it's time to embark on a magical journey through time for a special non Tipperary episode of Tipperary's Hidden Histories. For this festive episode, Connor explores the enchanting world of Christmas superstitions and traditions. And he unwraps the stories behind our age old customs, discovering something of the mystery that has shaped our Yuletide celebrations.
1: adventure. we're delving into the enchanting realm of Christmas superstitions and traditions from days of yore. Now, I know what you're thinking. Superstitions during the most wonderful time of the year? Indeed, from Yuletide omens to curious customs, our ancestors certainly knew how to add a dash of mystery to their merriment. So grab a cup of hot chocolate, but not if you're driving, and let's embark on this magical sleigh ride through the ages. This mystical tour involves a tradition that might just make you look at some of your own festive customs in a whole new light. Many of those Christmas traditions you may already be familiar with. We don't tend to think of Christmas in terms of good or bad luck. However, if Christmas Day falls on a Wednesday, then you can expect a good year weather-wise with a bumper harvest. I know you all leap under the nearest bit of mistletoe for a snog at Christmas but did you know that Holly should not be brought into the home until Christmas Eve? More spookily, you should open all the doors of your home when the clock strikes midnight on Christmas Eve. Open all the doors and let the evil spirits out. Don't take too long, however, as you might get a chill for Christmas. And by the way, I didn't add on that last bit myself. It is part of the tradition. Try to be the first to open the front door on Christmas morning. This is considered to be very lucky. A dark-haired man should be the first to enter the house. Until he does, nobody should be allowed out. And on no account should a red-haired man be the first to enter the house. Red hair is believed to be associated with Judas Iscariot. Now, I must go back to my New Testament and see where it says that Judas Iscariot was a redhead, but there you go. Also, your dreams on the 12 nights of Christmas are likely to come true. So pleasant dreams. One of the most common themes of Christian tradition and superstition centres around animals. Among the oldest of animal traditions is an old popular belief that chickens know when Christmas is coming. (laughs) bet turkeys do as well. And that at this time of the year, the cock may be heard crowing in the middle of the night. It is believed that he is crowing for Christmas and that his purpose is to frighten off the evil spirits. In the southern states of North America, it's believed that the cock would crow at a certain time every night for three weeks leading up to Christmas. Animals have long been associated, of course, with the entire Christmas season from beginning to end. It was believed that animals were empowered with the knowledge of the onset of Christmas and are given the power of expressing their adoration at midnight on Christmas Eve. One of the beliefs holds that in many parts of the world the sheep awaken at the midnight hour and go walking in commemoration of the visit of the angels to the shepherds on the hills of Bethlehem. The cattle too were believed to celebrate the birth of the Saviour by kneeling in their stalls. The peasants of Europe considered that the kneeling of the cattle took place on Christmas night. But this was never necessarily witnessed by human eyes. Tradition dictated that only those who were free from sin were permitted to behold this miracle. This European tradition eventually found its way to North America, where it even took hold among some of the Native American tribes. One 19th century writer described seeing a Native American man creeping cautiously through the woods. When asked what he was doing, he replied that he was watching to see the deer kneel on Christmas night and I quote, to look up at the great spirit, unquote. In the German Alps, superstition dictated that cattle did not only kneel in their stalls on Christmas night, but that they were granted the gift of speech. It was regarded to be a sin, however, to listen to them. Hearing them speak would lead to a speedy death penalty. As a warning to anyone who might be inclined to allow their curiosity to override their good sense, it was told that in times past, a farmer's servant hid in a stable on Christmas Eve to hear what the horses and cows would say when the clock struck midnight. Exactly at that moment, one of the horses lifted up his head and spoke, saying in a distinct voice, We shall have hard work to do a week from today. Yes, replied one of the cows, the farmer's servant is heavy and the way to the churchyard is long and steep, remarked another horse. The stable fell into silence, and the servant, terrified out of his wits, fled the house and died some days later. He was indeed hauled to the churchyard by the two horses on the day they had prophesied. The tradition of animals and birds finding human voice at Christmas was not just restricted to the German Alps. Birds were believed to sing the sweetest songs in reverence at this time of year, while the trees bowed down in reverence. Holy wells were believed to receive special powers of healing. And the gates of paradise opened at midnight on the eve of Christmas for all the souls to enter. Here is a Christmas tradition that we may not be so familiar with on the highways and byways of Tipperary. In the past... In certain parts of Norway, it was believed that on Christmas night, men were able to change themselves into wolves. Those with the power to make this happen became the most savage type of beast, and they formed themselves into packs and raged against their fellow mortals, often doing more damage than the wildest of the real wolves. They attacked houses, broke down doors, got into cellars, and wantonly destroyed the winter provisions. And as well as that, They drank all the wine and beer they could discover. Only a special prayer could protect the house from a visitation from these werewolves. And so far-reaching was their power for evil, that if anyone came upon the site of transformation during the following month, their life would end within the year. Meanwhile in Sweden, it was customary for the peasants to scatter straw about their houses and in their churches during the Christmas holidays. This was done in commemoration of the circumstances of the birth of baby Jesus, being born as he was and laid upon a bed of straw. The straw was scattered about the houses and churches, and this was supposed to possess miraculous properties, and was carefully gathered up by each household at the close of the holiday season. If it was given to the cattle, when they first ventured out into the spring pasture, the holy straw was believed to inure them against sickness. Likewise, If the holy straw was scattered around the fields or gardens, they would yield abundant crops or flora during the year ahead. Closer to home, the hay that had been in the church crib during the Christmas season was believed to have been a powerful remedy for sick animals and protect them from a range of sicknesses in the year ahead. We all know plenty about the use of holly as a decoration at Christmas. Did you know that in the past, if the first holly brought into the home at Christmas was prickly, this meant that the man of the house would rule in the year ahead. If the first holly was smooth-leaved, then the woman of the house would rule. So, listeners, choose your holly carefully. And if you're a single-sex household, well, I've yet to discover the tradition that applies to you, but I'm sure there's one out there somewhere. What about food and drink? To ensure that a happy year lay ahead, one had to eat a mince pie on each of the 12 days of Christmas and say out loud the words Happy Month before taking the first bite. Farmers and cottagers used to drink ale or cider from a large bowl made from applewood in the orchards on Christmas Eve. This tradition harks back to prehistoric tree worship and was constructed to ensure a good harvest of apples the following autumn. By the way, Why and when did we begin sending Christmas cards? The tradition of sending Christmas cards has its roots in Victorian England during the 19th century. The catalyst for this delightful practice can be traced back to Sir Henry Cole, a prominent British civil servant and educator. In 1843, Sir Henry found himself overwhelmed with the daunting task of individually responding to the numerous Christmas well-wishers who had sent him letters. He was a bit of a 19th century fran curry in a stroke of festive brilliance sir henry collaborated with his friend john calcott horsley a renowned illustrator to create the very first christmas card the card featured a charming illustration of a family raising a toast accompanied by the message a merry christmas and a happy new year to you this small piece of cardboard Adorned with holiday cheer not only served as a convenient way for Sir Henry to convey his greetings but also ignited a popular trend. The commercial production of Christmas cards took flight and the tradition rapidly spread throughout Victorian society. The cards themselves evolved in design and content, showcasing winter scenes, religious motifs and eventually the iconic imagery of Santa Claus. The concept crossed the Atlantic to the United States in the 1870s, becoming an integral part of Christmas celebrations worldwide. From that humble first card exchanged between friends, the tradition of sending Christmas cards has blossomed into a global expression of goodwill, connecting loved ones across the miles and encapsulating the spirit of the season in paper and ink. And what about the beloved Christmas tree? The Christmas tree has deep historical roots, with its origins intertwined with various customs and traditions that evolved over the centuries. One popular theory traces the Christmas tree back to medieval Germany. The Germans are credited with being among the first to bring evergreen trees indoors and decorate them during the winter season. In the 16th century, devout Christians in Germany set up paradise trees in their homes on the 24th of December. The feast day of Adam and Eve. These trees were adorned with apples to represent the forbidden fruit and the practice was part of a medieval play depicting the story of Adam and Eve known as the Paradise Play. Over time other ornaments such as candles, nuts and cookies found their way onto those trees. Martin Luther introduced the idea of decorating the trees with candles and the custom became popular in the home where it was referred to as the tree of lights. In fact The origin of the Irish custom of placing candles in the windows on Christmas Eve has been traced and related to this German custom. The tradition gained popularity in Germany, and by the 17th century it had spread to other parts of Europe. In the early 19th century, the Christmas tree tradition was introduced to England by Queen Charlotte, the German-born wife of King George III. It gained royal favour when a depiction of the Queen and her children around a decorated Christmas tree appeared in the illustrated London News in 1848. The Christmas tree custom then crossed the Atlantic to North America. German immigrants in Pennsylvania were instrumental in popularising the tradition in the United States during the 19th century. As the custom spread, it underwent various transformations, with people adding new decorations and lights to create the festive centerpiece that is now a hallmark of Christmas celebrations worldwide. By the way, before I finish up, we're not just all about the festive here on Tipperary's hidden Christmas history. On the last day of the year, the 31st of December, you should make sure that your pockets And your kitchen cupboards are not empty on the big day. This foretells a year of poverty. Oh, and we know that knitting is back in vogue with people of all ages. Do not, under any circumstances, leave any knitting unfinished on the needles on the 31st of December. This is the height of bad luck. And so to conclude, the idea of superstition, particularly surrounding Christmas, was frowned upon by the church and dismissed as religious beliefs arising from ignorance. During the Middle Ages, however, when so much of nature appeared inexplicable, even to the Church, many simple superstitions were allowed, providing that they did not conflict with Church teaching. And so, dear listeners, as we wrap up our journey through the curious and enchanting world of Christmas superstitions and traditions, we find ourselves standing at the crossroads of history and holiday cheer. From the mystical whispers surrounding evergreen trees... To the festival year of the very first Christmas cards, we've unravelled the threads that weave through time, connecting us to the celebrations of generations past. So as you gather round your own festive hearts, may the echoes of Christmas past add an extra layer of warmth to your celebrations. To everyone who has emailed or messaged me this past year in support of Tipperary's Hidden History, to Fran, Emma and Ali, and everyone in Tip FM who continue to indulge this quirky historical journey. And most of all to you, the listeners across Tipperary and overseas, I thank you and wish you a season filled with laughter, joy, and the enchantment of traditions old and new. Merry Christmas and a very happy new year.
0: Wonderful. Thanks for that, Conor and thanks for all your contributions all year. How we enjoy Hidden Histories and look forward to many more in 2024 as well. Happy Christmas to you. Thanks so much for that. Brilliant. The one that stuck in my mind was the the mince pies for every day of Christmas. Be happy to do that one very happy to do that one uh, the winner you're on the button this morning you all heard our cue to call this morning and our winners today Martin Horrigan in Nina well done to you you've won a 50 euro voucher for Boyle's Liberty Square and Mary Hawkes in Temple Toohee, well done to you you've won a 50 euro voucher for Michael's Jewelers in Westgate we'll be giving you another chance to win again tomorrow so just listen out again for that cue to call from Santa to begin with a chance of winning send in your name and address for tomorrow for another two businesses and another two euro vouchers coming your way tomorrow.
1: Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry in association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie.